do you know what time it is? It's Supernatural Story Time. And if you're easily scared, and even if you're not, there's only one thing left to do. Just turn off the lights, because these are stories that you listen to only in the dark. Stories to listen to when you drive. Volume 7, story number 1. This story is a bit of a mystery. I was a young teenager going on a rare camp out with my father. Let's say he enjoyed city life. We were fishing with a small group of extended family. We had a small tent while the rest of our family had a big camp trailer. To top it off, my dad wanted to be a bit away from everyone else. We settled on the side of a small lake in the upper Yunta Mountains. The Yunta Mountains have small lakes dotting all over. Some are very hard to come by. This particular lake didn't require four-wheel drive, but we were the only ones there. That night, we went to bed. My dad's legendary snore kept me up and alert. We used to joke that his snore would scare away most wildlife. And to be honest, it usually did. But this particular night, something was very different. My dad was snoring away, oblivious to all this. Something or someone crept by our tent. It was a slow, steady pace. The hoof, foot, paw, whatever it was, sounded like small damp rocks squishing together. It had almost a crunch noise to it that you'd more often hear during winter. At first I thought it was other campers. I called out to them, only to hear the footsteps stop momentarily. After I got quiet, the steps would start again. They would slowly pace behind our tent, back to the lake edge, and then back again. All of this while my obnoxious father snorted his brains out, clearly indicating we were there and totally unprepared for a confrontation. I never found out what made that noise, but from that day on, I never went camping with my dad without someone else nearby. Story number two. This story takes place about three years ago on a camping trip in the South Georgia backwoods. I was camping high-tech and brought a friend along who we will call Joel. We were given directions to the campsite by one of Joel's neighbors. We had been told that it was at the end of an unmarked dirt road of I-75 in Dooley County, Georgia, just below Macon. It wasn't that vague. I just don't want to give away the location. His neighbor mentioned one road that we should not go down under any circumstances. He didn't tell us why, but we figured that the road was unsuitable for a big pickup truck or something. He said that the off-limits woods would have a large tree leaning over the road and that there would be the can't-misses sign of the road not to go on. We kind of laughed it off and forgot about it in the excitement of the trip. No big deal. We began the two-hour drive south and came to the exit and began looking for the road. Once we found it, we turned and were met with a large tree that had fallen and was blocking our path. This was no big deal for us, so we threw some chains around it and pulled it to the side with the truck. We drove for about three minutes before coming to the dead end where we would set up camp. We decided it would just be easier to set up right there on the road in front of the truck. Nobody would ever be back there anyways. We got out the gear and I began setting up the tent while Joel went out to gather some firewood. I was fooling around with one of the joints on the tent. The sun was going down, and it was beginning to get colder. 
which was an inspiration to focus on getting a shelter up. I then felt a presence behind me. I figured it was Joel walking around back there, and I ignored the feeling. The feeling then turned to instinctive fear, forcing me to turn around. I saw the silhouette of a man standing next to a tree. Relieved, I thought it was Joel, so I resumed my work on the tent. I said, Don't sneak up on me like that, dude. You scared the crap out of me. Did you bring the firewood? No answer. I asked again. No answer. He just stood there about 15 feet away and did not move an inch. At this point, I was getting a little irritated that he was ignoring me, and I finally shined my light at his face to ask him again. What I saw truly horrified me. The man was not Joel. It was a very scrawny man, about five feet, five inches, was completely naked and had hair down to his feet. But it was his face, namely his eyes, that scared me the most. He had the most neutral expression on his face, almost a curious look that in itself was enough to scare you shitless. But it was his eyes that horrified me the most. They were completely black and looked extremely evil, pure evil, and almost unearthly. I could feel it looking straight through my soul and mind when suddenly I saw all my memories flash by in my mind like a slideshow, and I could tell it was reading my thoughts. Then it happened. I felt the most awful feeling I have ever felt in my entire life. I can't even really describe it except that it felt like someone was trying to turn me inside out. This caused me to panic, and I screamed at the top of my lungs, Jesus! The instant I said that, everything went black. I woke up seven or eight hours later, lying on the ground in the morning dew. The morning sun warm on my face. I sat up, looked around, and was relieved that it was now gone. For about five minutes, my vision was very blurred, and I had a splitting headache, like I had been hit with a baseball bat but I could not see or feel any marks on my head. There wasn't even a bump. Sitting there recovering from the headache, I suddenly felt that soul-wrenching feeling again, but this time I wasn't taking any chances. I threw all the gear into the truck and floored it out of there. I was gripping my Bible to the point of the pages ripping. I wanted nothing more but to go faster and faster out of those woods. The farther I got from the campsite, the more the feeling went away and the safer I felt. Before long, I was driving north on I-75 heading home when it hit me. Joel, how could I have been so stupid? Where was he? Did he make it back to the main road? I was so upset and horrified that I was almost brought close to tears. I kept asking over and over my head, how could I have been so careless? I actually drove five or six miles debating with myself between turning around and going back or just calling the police to report a missing person. I had to do the right thing. I turned my old Dodge around and headed back south. When I entered the woods, I noticed that the feeling was not there. Whatever it was, I left for good. The lack of fear gave me confidence, but I was not taking any chances. When I got to the campsite, I had my gun chambered and in hand. I began the search. For an hour, I looked and looked, but I simply did not feel that he was in these woods. I left for the final time and went home completely exhausted and emotionally drained. The police were notified the same day, and there was a three-day search before he was found about a mile from the campsite. He had been completely decapitated. There was no murder weapon ever found. I was upset to the point of suicide 
when I heard the news because at the time I was blaming myself. I know now that it was not my fault. He was killed the night I saw the thing in the woods and I believe that he was killed by the thing. I know now that I was his next target but I believe that the Lord protected me that night. Turns out I had taken the wrong dirt road. It was the very road that the neighbor had told me not to go on. To this day, the case remains unsolved, and of course, I don't expect they will ever catch the thing that killed him. Next story. My father and I and a friend went to Alabama to hunt. We were staying in an old house. It still had electricity and water and a fireplace for heat. Just your typical old southern farmhouse. The folks who owned it were also friends of the family, and as we were sitting around on the first night, they were telling us about where we would be hunting the next morning and just shooting the breeze when one of the other folks there told a fellow that invited us that he ought to tell us about old Will. He proceeds to tell us that this guy named Will had lived in the house for years and had died there and was buried nearby, but the thing was that old Will still liked to come by and sleep in his old bedroom so if we heard anything during the night not to worry it was just Will turning in for the night well we had a good laugh at that it said we would look out for him and went on to the house when we got there we all slept in the same room my father slept on the floor next to the fireplace and me and the other fellow slept on the bed well along about 11.30 or so we heard a noise on the front porch and the first thing we thought was of the people that we were hunting with were trying to scare us so we thought we would get them instead so we just waited for them to bang on the wall or something so we could jump back at them and scare them first but all of a sudden we heard footsteps across the front porch and then the screen door open and then the front door the thing is I know for a fact that the front door was locked with a barrel bolt from the inside because I had locked it myself at that time I looked over to see it Maybe my dad gotten up and we didn't know about it. But he was laying right there in front of the fireplace, sound asleep. Well, we were kind of worried about this time. And we're both looking at the door to the bedroom. And as clear as day, we heard that door to the room open. But the door never moved. Then we could hear footsteps across the floor. And then the bed sagged down by the foot like somebody sat down. Then we heard what sounded like a shoe hitting the floor and then the other shoe and then it was like somebody had scooted up onto the bed and it sagged as though someone had laid down and then the bed raised like a weight had been picked up off the mattress and then it was all over. Everything went back to normal and we just looked at each other and got up out of the bed and put our sleeping bags in the floor next to the fireplace and we left old Will to his bed for the rest of the hunting trip. Next story. I've gone hiking and camping alone since my childhood. I've had some interesting experiences, most of them good, some a little scary, but nothing that would keep me from going out alone. I'm comfortable in the wild. I welcome the wolf. I respect the bear. I have a healthy fear of the cats, but really love the rare occasions I see one. This is, however, one place I won't go alone. I was 20. Living in a small college town on the front range of the Rockies, went for hikes up the canyon west of town to enjoy a little solitude and mother nature. Spotted a nice rock formation protruding from the dense pines 
near the top of the canyon wall. It took a while, but it was a nice, cool hike among the trees. The forest was very quiet. I saw well-used deer trails and found warm deer scat. I saw bear scat and scratches on trees. A kill site where a mountain lion took a deer. Old enough that coyotes had gotten to the remains, but clearly cats were in the area. I settled into a little cradle formed by the rocks. Had a cigarette and drink. Planned to wait a while for the local fauna to forget my presence and go about its business. I can't get over this feeling of being watched. It seemed somehow different than the times I've been around big cats or bears. Played the waiting game for about 45 minutes. Being completely still. Staring blankly into the woods. Allowing my sense to be opened up to the smallest sign. Nothing. Just eerie sounds and that feeling. Since my watcher wasn't in any hurry to give up their identity, I decided to change tactics. Drawing my bowing knife, I sprang to my feet. Hearing the slightest whoosh from the bridge above, I turned just enough to catch a shadow with the corner of my eye. Cautiously and quietly, I pursued the form, catching fleeting glimpses here and there as I followed it to the top of the ridge. No color definable shape to give its identity, no tracks left in the soft, dark mud ground, just shadow. The top of the canyon wall opened to a small clearing and the remains of a turn-of-the-century cabin. The shadowy form disappeared into the structure that was still standing. There was an old iron stove and part of a stone chimney, collapsing walls of decomposed logs sitting on a crumbling foundation. I circled around, giving a wide berth to where I could see inside. There was nothing. Slowly I approached and went inside. As I stood in the skeleton of that old cabin, the feeling of that unseen presence being somewhere out there changed to the feeling of it being all around me. I put my knife away, believing it was no bear or lion that stalked me. And then I ran like the wind. Next story. When hiking yesterday in the desert with my wife and my dog Duke, as we do two or three times a month, I've mentioned my dog before, and how we use them as an early warning system to let us know if there are mountain lions around, or the occasional person we run across in the backcountry. Duke is very good at this, and by keeping an eye on him, he lets us know what is going on around us. Anyway, we went hiking up a wash and eventually came to the remains of an old cabin with a cement floor. Really, the only thing left was the floor and the chimney. An old refrigerator, now all shut up in a stove. The cabin was set on a low bluff above the wash, and as we approached, we noticed a basement of sorts under the cement floor, the outer walls of which were of concrete. The doorway to this basement was only about four feet tall, and the door was missing. It was dark inside. I mentioned to my wife that we should be careful as it would make a perfect den for a cat. I pulled my sidearm and stood to the side and called my dog. He came up took one look at the door and backed away several feet. After several tries, I got him to go inside. He took one step in, turned to the right, peering into the darkness for a moment, and then turned and ran out. Since I carry a flashlight, my wife said, are you going to try and look with your flashlight? I took one look at the door and my retreating dog replied, no, I'm not going in there. I do not know what, if anything, was in there, but I realized how stupid I was to go up to the door even with a revolver in hand. It was a Colt 45. Since, as mentioned, it would make an ideal dent for a mountain lion. Sometimes we do foolish things and are lucky enough to survive without incident. 
What was in there, I don't know. And I doubt I will ever find out. Next story. I've backpacked in the Rockies of Colorado for over 40 years. I've felt the hair stand up on the back of my neck a few times, usually just before I see fresh mountain lion tracks. By far the weirdest thing I have seen in the wilderness, though, was back in the late 1970s, not far from Crystal, Colorado. I was backpacking with two friends, and we were camped on a ridge overlooking a wooded valley south and a little east of Crystal. It was not far from Treasury Mountain. Just before dark, my friends and I noticed a camp of approximately eight or ten people on the far side of the valley, about a mile or so away as a crow flies. They had a blue tarp erected and were standing around it. Suddenly, they all seemed to realize we were looking at them and went under the blue tarp. I remember what all three of us thought that was really eerie. Since we were quite a ways away from them and in trees, we didn't think they could have seen us. We didn't think much more about it until it was dark, probably around 10 p.m., and I looked across the valley and saw lights moving quickly up and down the valley. They appeared to be moving much more quickly than a person could walk or even run through the trees and over the rough terrain. It was really weird. I remembered one of the lights that came toward us seemed to be above the trees. It appeared to come out about halfway across the valley toward us, then went out. We didn't hear anything, and it was absolutely quiet that night. None of us slept too soundly. I got out of my tent at first light, looked across the valley where the blue tarp was, and it was gone. Never did find out what those people were up to, but there were rumors around the area back then about cults and weird stuff happening. Two-legged critters creeped me out way more than the four-legged ones. Next story. I saw a mountain lion once while mountain biking. I had seen many bobcats over the years. It was apparent to me that this was a whole other animal. It was huge. Not quite Grand Dane size, but bigger than a German Shepherd. Although I was a good 100 feet from it, I could make out certain characteristics. One, huge tail, thick and muscular looking in proportion to the rest of the body. Two, when it turned and I saw it in profile, it had an obviously feline type head, like a house cow, but with a smaller head proportionally than a house cat. I could see the sinewy muscles under his shoulders and his legs were very thick, like a cat on roids. Maybe it was his hair that was short, but he looked to be 100% pure muscle. He was a dark color, unlike the he tannis shoes I see on cougars on TV and in print. He was in the shade, and they may have been some type of influence on the color, but I was struck by his, I don't know, darkness? Maybe he was a sub-adult, but boy, was he big. I observed him for a full minute before he sauntered off into the brush. Unhurriedly, I was not about to follow. I never saw one ever again but began packing a disposable camera at that point forward. This happened on Sheep Camp Trail west of Belmont, California, near the scenic vista off 280 that is known as a hookup spot for the local married gay men. Oddly, I had seen two dudes getting it on very near that spot a few years before as I biked past. Next story. I've been an archery hunter for 20 more years. We usually go into the woods a couple of hours before sunrise and put up our portable tree stands and wait for first light. We had scouted a new site and marked stand trees with reflective markers since we usually hunted the morning hunt. I remember finding the half-buried foundation of an old house made from bluestone and mortar. 
I guess it to be mid to lower 1800s, there were signs of a barn and an old apple tree, which we were still putting out its wormy fruit, and you could tell this had been a small farm. We gave ourselves extra time to get to our spot, but when we got there earlier than we thought, about 3 a.m., I put up my stand and sat in the mid-October coolness of the night, listening to the night sounds of the woods. I know the death scream of rabbits. I know the lonely calls of feral dogs and coyotes. I've heard most everything in the woods at night that swims, flies, or goes on four feet. I remember getting this slow, uneasy creeping upon me. My sweat ran cold down my spine, and I began to look around, trying to identify what was making me tense. My mind began to put form and shapes to every tree and clump of bushes. My heart rose into my throat. There were no animal sounds. The night was so still, and then the half-moon came from behind the clouds. The sound started immediately. Behind my stand, about 20 yards out, it sounded like screams, but not ripped from anything human. It slowly moved through the woods, but not crashing or breaking sticks or rustling the leaves. The scream slowly moved around me, coming from ground level, but nothing was visible, always just out of sight or invisible. I was terrified to the point I could not move. I wanted to get down out of that stand and run away, anywhere but there. It was driving me mad. I had to get away. I wanted to jump the 20 feet to the ground and risk a broken leg, just to get as far from it as I could. The scream continued. It seemed forever, slowly, half circumventing the small clearing I had my stand in, rising and falling, sometimes choking off, then resuming a second later. It moved slowly down the hill towards my brother's stand, not abating or ceasing. There were no sounds other than the screaming, no sounds of struggle, just the unbelievably loud screams of terror and torment. I heard it go down into the hollow where my brother was, then up the far side of the gully and up the mountain, then fade away to nothing. When the sounds ended, I realized that two hours had passed and was coming up to shooting hours. I could move again, but I was shaking. I opened my water bottle and drank some water, nearly choking on it. I waited, trying to calm down. Finally, I was calm enough to get down out of the stand. I waited with my gear, ready to bolt. My brother came up from the bottom just as I was finishing. The sun was just poking over the horizon. It was still prime hunting hours, but he had heard it too. What the hell was that? He asked me. I do not know, and I am not hanging around to find out. I hefted the stand to my shoulder and started up the deer path that ran behind my stand tree. I told my brother, it started just over there. That's when we noticed the three headstones from the farmer's family plot. We never hunted there again. Next story. When I was 23, which is about 15 years ago, I decided I was going to go camping by myself up around Chilliwack Lake, British Columbia. There's a valley that runs off to the east of the lake halfway down. It's an old logging road, mostly overgrown and washed out. I had walked in a number of times hunting coastal black-tailed deer and bear. This was going to be a scouting weekend. I had a canopy on my truck and was going to camp in it, and the Saturday was a beautiful day, and I walked a large section of the valley and had gotten back to my truck around 6.30 p.m. and started making supper. Not long after I started, 
to get that feeling of being watched and that I wasn't welcome there. Now, this is the West Coast and the forests are thick and I was by the creek with lots of willows around my campsite, about 50 feet away and surrounded by peaks. I built the fire up and finished supper and some more rye as I was starting to feel more uncomfortable. When I had shown up in the morning, I had drug a lot of wood in from the creek bed, so I had a big fire going and my 3006 loaded and ready to go. As the night went on, I was hearing noises from the willows around the campsite and thought it was just some animals, but I still felt I was unwelcome. At around nine, I started to hear some bellowing from the hills around me. Now, I have spent all my life camping and hunting in the bush. I have heard cougar mating calls, wolves and coyotes, and I've never heard this. It was a deep yell, and the closest I can describe, it was like the sound a gorilla makes. This went on most of the night, and I was woken up a few times that night with sounds in the campsite of someone walking around. In the morning, I got up and looked for tracks, but it was all gravel and hard to make out. I spent the day hiking the valley again, and I spent many more nights there with friends, but never without a rifle and never with that feeling again or the howling. Next story. I've had this happen many times. I used to work third shift and would jog on my days off at night. About once a month, I would get in the gear, put the running shoes on and walk out the front door just to be faced with a very uneasy feeling. Basically, turn around and go back inside. Do not go tonight. Inner dialogue. This has happened twice when I have been camping or on the way to camp. Both times, I didn't wind up camping. A few times, I've also got the what the F is going on tonight feeling and got the shotgun out. Turn on the floodlights and walk the property. Three times over the past year, there were coincidental cars pulling off right when the lights came on. Another time, the floodlights actually projected the shadow of a man's upper torso against the entryway wall. My front entrance is U-shaped. I closed the door, locked the deadbolt, and woke the wife to get her gun as well. By the time I was back at the door, a car pulled out that was parked in front of my next-door neighbors. Turned out, even though I live kind of out in the country, a gang from the 30-minute-away big city were targeting our neighborhood, about three cars broken into, and a few home invasion attempts. Always be safe when you have a bad feeling, even at the house. Normally, my two big mean dogs will pick up on everything and alert me, but sometimes they don't. I always take a dog when we go camping and normally a pistol. The dog eases my mind more than the pistol, though. Almost like a camp alarm system. Next story. My friend, who is all into prospecting, and all told me this one. His cousin was out camping at the end of some fairly remote logging roads, not that far from where I live. He pitched his tent and was sleeping. Around two-ish or three-ish, he hadn't checked his watch. He gets up to use the bathroom. For some reason, instinct maybe, he grabs his rifle and puts in two rounds, then heads out to the bushes. While out in the trees, he suddenly sees light back at the camp, so he crouches down with his rifle across his lap and waits. Three guys are gesturing towards his tent. Two have shotguns, the third a bottle of alcohol. One of the guys says, We can just shoot him. No one will ever find his body if we hide it out here. At that point, 
he slips further back into the trees and waits for dawn. Come dawn, he heads straight out, not bothering to grab his tent and sleeping bag and a few bits of clothing and food. He reported everything to the police and went back with the cops. But his stuff was gone and they never found the guys. Yes, this is one of those stories that gives you the creeps. Another story ranks 10 on the weird scale. When I was younger, a few friends and I headed up into the Catskills for a weekend, and we stayed in one of the lean-to cabins that the state maintains. We sat by the fire until well after 2 a.m. talking and then went to sleep. I had a hard time sleeping, so I sat against the back wall and watched outside, hoping to see some wildlife. I was taken back as I saw the glow of a cigarette about 50 yards away. It did not move at all, and I had no idea of how long he had been there. I figured that somebody came in late and set up camp over there because we had the cabin. About five minutes later, I saw a quick flame and the ember of another cigarette. I had a strange feeling of being watched come over me. One of my friends, who had not fallen asleep yet, had the same eerie feeling. We figured this guy did not bring a tent. So we both decided to walk over and offer him some space in the cabin because of the rain we were supposed to get that night. I holstered my sidearm and we started walking over. Never leave without it. We got within 20 feet and the guy sprints off as fast as he could into the woods. Never saw or heard him again. But what was he there for? Obviously not to camp out. Next story. While living in Vermont, I was paid to help a guy build a log cabin on some remote property he had purchased. He already had an old trailer there to stay in, and we added a log room, 10 feet by 20 feet off the front of it. We built it strong and used squared logs for roof beams and pressure-treated plywood over that. We started working on the log cabin as soon as we finished the roof on the addition. Several times I would get the someone's watching me feeling, and the timber shepherd I had would cringe and stay close to me. I looked all around and never found any tracks, but there were a few deep streams at the edge of the property, and I never crossed them. One May night, we were just getting ready for bed when something big landed on the roof. The next thing we knew, there was a weird howling sound outside, and the dog was practically in my shoes with me. More crashes on the roof followed until I went outside and fired a few shots out into the woods with my 12-gauge. All was quiet for about two hours. Then it started again, and the thumps lasted until morning. When we went outside the next day, there were dozens of rocks on the roof, ranging from baseball size to microwave size, and several of the logs we had lifted into place on the cabin were tossed around like they were twigs. I collected my pay that day and never went back. I do not know what it was, but whatever was there did not like us building there. Next story. I have two stories. Now, all of these events happened in western Pennsylvania, where my family has land and where I grew up. I grew up in the woods and spent nearly all of my time out there digging bunkers or building bridges, whatever my boyish adventures got me into. Bottom line is, I knew my way around the woods and most of the animals it contained. That feeling you guys say you get where there's something wrong is for sure something I am quite familiar with. On some levels, I think my senses are heightened in areas others lack, and I can feel every movement and sound, even if I am not looking around. I cannot explain it, but I can literally map out areas in my mind and see them and see where sounds are coming from. It is probably just insanity mixed with my photographic memory. Who knows? 
but it is infinitely useful. So my brother and his friend and I are out in front of my dad's house standing in this giant grassy field. I was a young teenager and smoking cigarettes while we all crouched in this tall grass. We were talking about nothing overly important when we heard this god-awful shrieking, screaming, demon-type sound. We all went dead quiet, and I immediately stood up and shined my light towards the direction of the sound. We were all dead still, with him peering over the grass level and me standing up dead still with my spotlight trained on where the sound came from. We stood there for what seemed like an eternity with nothing further happening. I turned off the light and got down to peer with him over the grass level. After only moments of looking, we all saw this human shape with glowing eyes. I was immediately up and shining my light right on the thing, and it was just out of the light beam. I tried to move towards it a bit to get it into the spotlight beam, and it suddenly turned and ran through the woods, like nothing I've ever heard. It honestly sounded like a two-legged animal running as fast as it could through an area I knew to be dense jagger bushes and small trees. That thing crashed through the woods and snorted screamed the entire way. Craziest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I still have no idea what it was. We all saw the same thing, and that just makes it make less sense. Listening to it stomp through the woods and hit that creek full speed was terrifying, to say the least. The second story was around the same time, give or take a year or two. I was home alone, and it was 11 p.m. or so. My dad was playing pool at a bar a few towns away and would be home in a few hours. I was sitting around listening to some music when I heard the most terrifying noise I have ever heard in my life. I turned the music off and listened to it for a few seconds before running for my dad's shotgun. I am not going to lie. It sounded like hell had opened up and everything below was escaping right around the house. I scrambled to the back of the house, which was the easiest to defend if need be. The noise got louder and louder as I got to the back door and there was nothing outside the windows that I could see through, but my visibility was limited due to the giant garage ten feet outside the back door. I stood there forever trying to decide what to do and finally just opened the door and started looking outside. I could not specifically pinpoint the sound's location because it was everywhere around me. I looked around the sides of the house and garage and saw nothing. I turned on my flashlight, and as I was putting it on the end of the shotgun, the beam happened to shine above me. There were hundreds of winged animals in the sky. They were everywhere. I want to say they were bats, but I think it was bats and or owls. I do not know if they were migrating or something, but man, that was the most terrifying experience of my life right there. It literally sounded like all the demons in hell were yelling as they ran past my house. Last but not least is what happened on the Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania campus when I lived there. I hung out with a pretty large and diverse group of kids that all liked to party together. We were all separated into smaller groups that hung out daily and we all met every week or more to party or hang out. We had our usual place to party, which was a fire pit in the middle of the woods on the ROTC training grounds right off of campus. It was an awesome little place, really, as it was the most dense woods in the area, and the middle of it rather open as it was all pines and other tall trees with their middle branches removed. 
the outer edge of this couple hundred foot wide patch of woods was a natural wall of brushes and trees, so it was awesome, open while still secluded. Anyways, we had all decided to go and party up there one night. So my small group of friends decided to go up and clean the pit and rebuild it and remove all of the trash. While we did this, the other groups were letting everyone know we were going up there to have a small fire to hang out. After everything was all set and we were in the apartment getting ready, I started to realize that something was wrong. There were a lot more people with us than normal and some of them were already drunk. Me, being underage, I decided it was probably a good idea to go up with nothing but smokes on me. When we got up there, we all started drinking and talking. I kept looking past everyone on the other side of the fire because I just felt like someone was watching me. I sat there for 10-15 minutes trying to decide what I was going to do. I knew that something or someone was watching me and I knew that if I left, it was going to be on my own and it was a long cold walk back by myself. I waited for a break in the conversation and told everyone that I did not feel comfortable there that night and that it felt like someone was watching me. They all gave me a considerable amount of shit for it, females included, but I stuck to my guns and left. As I was leaving, I felt that I was being followed as well as watched as soon as I got away from the group. I could no longer see the fire, but I could still hear laughing and occasional yelling, but couldn't make anything out. As I got to a place in the path that was a little more open, I started to feel more and more uneasy. I decided to avoid the original path and follow a nearby wood line that opens to a large farm field with a road on the alternate side making a big three-sided box with a path, road, and tree-lined. I stayed in the tree-line for a few hundred yards until it was very open and I could see better due to the moon. I broke into a crouched run across the field straight towards the road and stopped once in the middle of the field to see if anything followed me. Nothing. I ran all the way back to the apartment and told my girlfriend about it. She told me about the half-dozen cop cars parked in a sneaky place no more than half an hour right near the entrance of the path we'd all walked up before they got there. I immediately called my friends at the fire, and they never had a chance. They said as I called them, the police all stepped out of the woods surrounding them and yelled not to move. Apparently, I forced the cop's hand by leaving, and they were following me. They told my friends they'd been watching us from the shadows for a while, and that they had followed me after I left so they could detain me so I couldn't warn the others when I saw the cop cars at the end of the path. Getting off the beaten path saved me some hassle.